Dark History Podcast with Andrea Georgic, Mary Jackson, and Bonnie Weibel. Sorry, that was my sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really mean to do it, then it just kind of happened. Yeah. This is really actually what my voice is going to sound like, and hopefully everybody listening isn't going to hear me like sucking snot on my nose, but... Oh, wow. Please don't say sucking snot at me. Sucking snot. Okay. Good alliteration. You suck snot. That'd be a good insult. You, you suck snot. snot. <laughs> <Bob>. <laughs> you suck snot. It's pretty mean because it's super gross. If you were just like latch onto somebody's nose and just like. Oh, not like that. That's what oh, it is. That's not what I was no. thinking, but now it is. That's uh, disgusting. Yeah, no, it's super gross. That's what I was thinking. Like it was super insulting. <coughs> yeah. Is Andrea okay? <laughs> she might be. Also, apparently, Andrea is now blue. Oh, yeah. Your boy blue. Oh, she's gagging. We made her really sick. Don't laugh at her. It's going to get worse. No, no. Don't stare at her. I'm sorry. I was fine. Oh, no. Until I started visualizing it. <laughs> Mary, you're the worst. I well, love you so much. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are. We're finally recording our third episode of season three. It's only been a couple, oh two months. I'm going to keep this train rolling and just pretend nothing's happening in the other, yeah. other side of the room. Okay, she's gagging because she feels sick, and I'm gagging because I love her so much. <laughs> oh, jeez. My mom actually has a really, really bad gag reflex, and I feel bad for her because, like, she can't. She can't even, like, go to the dentist or whatever. Yeah. Because, like, it oh, takes, like... Fuck. Oh, fuck. Like, brushing her teeth makes her, like, gag. Ooh. And, like, she had to go to the dentist one time and have something just done, and they, like, put her under because she gagged so much that they couldn't, like, do anything. They could, oh, like, shit. not clean her teeth or whatever they needed to do to it. And when she was under, she still gagged. Oh. <laughs> you imagine me passed out just like... <laughs> like, get away from me, demon <laughs> dentist. <laughs> Um, that would fucking suck. Yeah, but it's kind of funny. Yeah, like really bit. funny. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we we're doing another really brutal topic. Uh, we were just talking about how it's my fault and I'm sorry. Um, this is Mary, by the way. <laughs> if you forgot, I forgot. I just feel bad. But I forgot that that's what we do before we say anything. Yeah. Is we clarify. Oh yeah, this is Andrea. Well, Bonnie here talking now. It's but, me. Uh, you know, but I just feel like I need to personally apologize to our listeners because I also chose the Ariel Castro. And if you listen to that episode, you were like, wow, this was pretty dark. I'm ready for something to lift me up. And then I was like, you know what we're going to do this time? Fred and Rosemary West. Um, I did It's just you... as brutal as that episode. Uh, it's more brutal. It's more brutal than that Maybe, episode. I, I did give you a nice satanic palate cleanser, though. Oh, just that was that very in the nice. There. That was like very nice. a breath mint. Wow, it really was a breath mint of Satanism. Of Satanism. Yeah. Minty, fresh, Lovely. sexual, raw. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember getting Did sexual get, and raw when I presented it. I'm just thinking about the ninth gate with Johnny Depp. Books, oh. sexuality. Do you fuck the devil before the devil can fuck mm-hmm. you? That's what that movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of wish we'd talk about that last time. <laughs> I fucking yeah, thank Pete you, Pete. Loves movie. Sound baby Pete, Pete loves that movie. I fucking love that movie <coughs> for so many reasons. I'm gonna reasons. try to not cough into the microphone. It's fine, you can. I don't think people want to hear that. It's it was a cute cough. It was well, like they're very they're light hair. now. They're not. Yeah. As, it's like they're that leftover. Hair. Like it's almost like little particles of dust are like just kind of floating. Cool. And you're like, oh. oh, there's the bird clock. 
Wow. I did buy Mary two bird-themed items for Christmas this Bonnie year. is a really good gift giver. Like, it's, like, Thank creepy you. good. She got me this shirt that I fucking love more than anything. I wore it, like, 16 days in a row. I don't even know. I don't even know. I can't describe it. It's got little birds of prey that are injured. They have little injuries, and they're being fixed, and it, all the money went to this birds of prey hospital, and mm-hmm. moral of the story is murder. Bonnie? But not murder of birds. Not murder of birds. Helping fix little birds and their broken little wings. And their little wings. So then they can murder little rodents and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> rodents. Yeah. <laughs> rodents. Um, you guys are just making me think of Jodie Foster. <gasps> because she God. has like a quote about an injured bird that they then used in the Hannibal TV show, but it was like, next time you... S- <laughs> shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <Guys>. Hannibal reference. <laughs> I just brothers. love Hannibal Lecter. I love I, you. I'm not yeah. ever going to apologize for that, but it's there's funny. like a thing that Jodie Foster, it was something about like, next time you see an injured bird, like, do you... Something about like an injured bird, do you want to help it or do you want to crush it? And then she talks about how she thinks about crushing it. It's, I feel like I heard this before. Yeah, I'm gonna actually. find the exact quote because um, I feel like it's I don't remember what it is. No, I yeah. I, I thought you I were gonna say jo- like Jodie Foster said like Amate in the wind. Have you ever seen? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> was it like Nest or Nell or something? Fucking Pete is dying right now. <laughs> um, I was like, when no. I think of Jodie Foster, I just think of Hold Panic on. Room. First of all, yeah, no, of course I think of Panic Room. Of course I do because Kristen Stewart is a young, beautiful lesbian in that movie. But um, no, yeah, a uh, fucking Jodie Foster in uh that movie where she grows up in the wild and she, her mother is deaf and so she never like formally learns English. Nell. No! Yeah! No? From the movie No? From the movie No? No! I'm a tie in the wind. Donna Meagle. She's just fucking like her arms are up in the air. From the movie No? Yes, thank you, Andrew. I love you. Wow. Well, Um, but I was right because I said Ness or Nell and like. So close. Thank you. Yeah. Did you find the quote? Yeah, I did. It's, um, look, it's terrible, I know, but weakness really, really bugs me to the point that if there is a wounded bird on the sidewalk, I look at it and I go, I think I'll just kick it. <laughs> Damn. I love Jenny Foster. Yeah, she's, she's fucking yeah. beautiful. Love her. Uh, we were doing creepy news for a while, but I can't, I don't think I have one. Creepy news? Yeah, if we knew, if we oh, had shit. any creepy stories that Actually, we, that are like in the news or anything. <gasps> like you, fucked up stuff. Oh, I, okay. Ooh, I don't know. You guys haven't. I don't that was I a gasp. One. I had one, but I Sorry. forgot. I just thought of one, but it's okay. really terrible and I actually almost don't want to bring it up. Dude, wait. Can we just see you if we have the, the same headline. one? I don't we know if we have, because I follow creepy news all the time. Like something shitty will happen and then I'm just like, I'm addicted to the story. Like I want to see what happens, like follow through with it. Yeah. This one, just because I have a fondness. No, I'm not going to say fondness. I'm going to say I have an interest, a healthy interest in like Lacey Peterson-esque stories. Oh yeah, I... So you probably know the one I'm going to mention is this really handsome father who like uh, claims his wife went missing and took the daughters and it turns out that he killed the two daughters and they find the bodies in like, um, I can't even remember now, like he buried them out in like his farm field or something, but he was having an affair with like a young, more attractive woman or blah, blah, blah. So I've been following that 
I haven't story heard that, because women are mostly following it not because like of the same story where it's like okay you kill your family to start a new life for like a younger hot thing or whatever but mostly because women are becoming sexually obsessed with him because oh, he's really handsome yeah. and they're writing him letters and like sending him letters so I was reading this like crazy article about like women's like relationship with the incarcerated yeah. man I'm always fascinated by that stuff because it makes me think of Ted Bundy so much. Yeah. Like so much. I mean, he's a pretty prime example. Yeah. Of that like weird obsession. Married like one of his stalkers in court. Yeah. Charlie Manson. Star. Fucking so hot. Holy shit. Star. Yeah. Yeah. I have been listening to this podcast Monster by Tenderfoot TV. Oh yeah. The The Zodiac Zodiac one. It's pretty interesting. Okay. So I hated Atlanta Monster. So when yeah. I saw that they were doing Zodiac, I was very like, no, kind of annoyed. Mm-hmm. Even though I like Up and Vanished that the other guy does. But yeah. once um once I realized it was like a it's like a different reporter doing it. And the yeah. way that they're doing it is a lot different than the way they did Atlanta Monster. So I actually really like it. It's like still a little bit sensationalized because they do like the dramatic reenactment that's and their stuff. style it they is just do but that. yeah and i don't love it but like overall you know, the information the i information think is really is good interesting. it's a lot of like just things you can only know by the fact that you like they talk to people that happened that were there and stuff yeah. like that so that's very interesting because a lot of the information is not is not really out there so yeah that that's been good yeah i've listened to i, I guess i'll just add this as like creepy news i was going to kind of say but labor for later but whatever um i've been listening to like way too many podcasts that are like short series that are about like stuff but i think i actually texted everybody but bear run is amazing and everybody should fucking listen to that podcast it blew my fucking mind and i without giving away too much like you think it's just going to be another uh long lost like these unidentified women that were in a barrel in this like small town in New Hampshire or Connecticut or, yeah. or something. So, somewhere in New England. Um, and they're like, try, they like try to track down like who they were and like who killed them. And then like they've not only do they like find, basically find out what happened for the most part, though the way that they discover it is like literally changing everything and it ties into like how the golden state killer was caught and all this stuff it is like it is such a fascinating fucking podcast but it's short it's like six or seven episodes but it's amazing everybody needs to listen to it i just like can't stop talking about it you told me about it and i started listening to it and i'm only on episode four i think and the first like two or three i was like this is good i like it but i wasn't like super into it because you kept saying how wonderful it was and then for some reason, I got to the fourth episode, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it just... It throws, got yeah. super, super Damn. interesting. Okay, cool. yeah, so I haven't finished it, it, but... Yeah, yeah. it kind of starts, like, very classically, like, a lot of these do. So yeah. you're like, I'm interested, but I'm not, you know... It seems yeah. like it's going to be something, you know, kind of pretty run-of-the-mill, and then it's like, what? Yeah. And you feel really smart at the end, and you can tell all your friends, and they're like, whoa, cool. All right, that's all I got. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I got some good recommendations. I've been listening to a lot of last podcast on the left and laughing a lot. I've been really into the Men in Black and like Aliens and Chaos Magic and fucking the new. Weird. Me- there's gonna be a new Men in Black with a lady. Oh, Tessa well, Thompson. You know, I love Men in Black. I fucking love her. Like, I love Men in Black, but then like 
now I've been like really on an alien kick lately because it scares the fucking shit out of me because not a lot of stuff scares the shit out of me. And like aliens, like I, the fear of the unknown. And I've just been like curious about chaos magic. And like, since we did our Satanist like episode, I was just like really into that. And like, uh, the traditional like men in black, like fuck, like that scares the shit out of me. Not no no I'm talking about here come the men yeah no that is not that's a, the only yeah, one not, not I care super about scary. and Tessa Thompson being one of them okay well yeah we're keeping be... it on that side of yeah. the... <laughs> we can't even get into it because it's too fucking scary but I do want to do an alien episode at some point we'll do we'll do the Will Smith Men in Black yeah oh recap history uh, of the Will movie. Smith Men in Black <laughs> yeah. era it, um, that's dark that's a dark part of history like where did the lore come from that yeah. inspired the movie yeah. yeah yeah definitely yeah we're not gonna do that but i guarantee somebody has done that in depth you that could what? be an april fool's podcast episode yeah that could be an april <laughs> fool's podcast episode that would be uh, very funny all right anyways let's get into some huh? fucked up stuff that's let's gonna ruin your day let's do this fucking shit pitter patter let's get at her oh fuck Ooh. So, <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't like it at all. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna explain Fred West, his background, um, and also talk about Rosemary West's background, how they met, how their relationship started. So, Fred West was born September 29th, 1941, at Bickerton Cottage in Much Markle, Herefordshire, to Walter Stephen West and Daisy Hannah Hill, later Daisy West. They, he was born into a pretty close-knit family. They were very poor. They worked on farms for their whole lives. Uh, this stuff gets a little confusing because Fred West gave a lot of interviews in which he talked about what had happened to him in childhood, and his some of his siblings have said that, no, that didn't actually happen. Um, so all of this is what I could gather from it. I've, I'm have i in a note when there are objections to okay. things that he said happened. He was happened. Like a well-known pathological liar. So, like, you right. want to believe what he says, but you're also like, what the f- is that fucking true? What are you withholding? Right. You know? So, um, apparently his father was a disciplinarian and a rather violent man who probably murdered people of his own and most definitely raped women, um, like father, like son. His mother was overprotective and would often use a belt to discipline the children. She was considered the head of the family. And in 1946, the family moved to Moorcourt Cottage at Moorcourt Farm, which is where his father worked as a milking herdsman and harvest hand. Um, And the kids all worked on the farm at some point as well. There was no electricity. The heat that they had was from a log fireplace. Um, He had six siblings, and they all had to help out and contribute. They all had to work on the farm. They were expected to do chores pretty much so the family could survive, especially since there was no electricity. So he learned hard work from a young age, but he also learned petty theft in part because they didn't have a lot of stuff. And if he wanted something, he had to steal it. Uh, But also he was kind of the 
I I think Doug, his brother, in one of the documentaries I watched, calls him like the blue-eyed boy of the family. So he could pretty much do no wrong. Um, he still got disciplined, but he apparently was able to get away with a lot more than his other siblings were. Uh, it took like a while for somebody to discipline him, which is important. Um, he left school in December 1956 at 15 and became a laborer on the farm. He wasn't ever very good at schoolwork. Um, he was illiterate. He did excel at woodwork and um, art, I think. Yeah, art. But he wasn't good at the other stuff. He also had an accent. They all did because they're from um, Herefordshire, which is... I don't actually know where that is. I'm going to guess the north based on the accents that they had because they were similar enough to Scottish accents. Yeah, I know that they were like there's connections to Scotland in the story, so it, it honestly it seems like they're pretty close to Scotland like throughout yeah. the entire. And the accent I know was like extremely heavy, extremely hard to understand. Yeah, like, he and he talked fucking heavily yeah and they used to go to like local bars near them um and even though they were local-ish bars he still got made fun of um for pretty much having a hick accent um because it was so heavy so this is where it gets a little dicey (laughs) um fred west claimed that he was introduced to sex by his mom at 12 uh they would have intercourse whenever she wanted Um, He also claimed his father engaged in bestiality, so he fucked, like, sheep and pigs on the farm, and there were a lot of animals on the farm, so access to that. Uh, He also claimed that his father abused his sisters, and he said that that's why he felt later in life that incest was, like, a normal way that families interacted with each other. I mean, it, it makes sense, like, that if, if that's how you, like, what you witness when you're growing up. Like, how the fuck else would that be, like, normalized to you? Yeah. Well, and it's weird, too, because... So this, I think, is true. He said it, but I think it's also been um, determined to be true because his father, when he was working in the fields, he would rape young women who lived nearby in the fields, and Fred would watch. Um, And his father basically said, if you can get away with it, you might as well do it. Just don't get caught. Oh, fuck it. Like... There's one, just, like, reading about Fred West, like, like there was, like, one instance where, like, he was, like, arrested. Um, he actually, like, sustained a serious injury, but, like, he, he got in trouble for, like, fondling a girl. And he ended up, like, falling and, like, whatever. But, like, he was just, like, wait, is this not normal? Like, is it not normal to just, like, try to, like, touch girls all the time or, like, fucking fondle them, like, whenever you can? Right. And the police were, like, no, dude. It's fucking not normal. <laughs> like... Well, and he had he had encouragement from his father, but he also pretty much had like a free pass. And yeah. he there were multiple incidents where he didn't ever get in trouble. So when you don't learn that there are consequences to actions, then why not do them? Exactly. You know, you start to think, oh, this is normal. Um Yeah, he he actually would go with his brother John to, like I said, some like youth clubs nearby, um, where he would harass the younger women and fondle them and objectify them, um, bother them. At 16, he had a serious motorcycle accident. He fractured his skull, uh, broke his arm. He was in a coma for, I don't know, 
the accounts vary, seven, eight days. And then he had to walk with braces for several months after. So it was a pretty serious accident um, that happened. And like I said, he had a fractured skull. So I think this is important um, because after the accident, his family members reported that um, his demeanor changed, that he became more violent, more aggressive overall. Um, Clearly, he had issues beforehand, um, but now he was a lot more violent. And um, it's important because traumatic brain injury is like linked to more frequent violent behavior. Um, CTE specifically, so chronic traumatic um, encephalopathy, is it's a common thing with athletes. They're finding um, when you have multiple brain injuries over and over again, or multiple head injuries, you develop these issues. And CTE specifically, they've linked to a lot of violent crimes. That's what OJ, um, mm-hmm. from his concussions, that's what they believe. And that's something that they can't test for until after somebody is dead. So they don't know that someone had it, but they actually are starting to see a pattern in oh, um, yeah. violent criminals that that's a lot of them had traumatic brain injuries. As soon as I read that, I was like, and like, I feel like that's talked about enough. Like if you're into serial killers, if you like understand like like the commonalities between them it's there's always a fucking traumatic brain injury mm-hmm. like ted bundy fucking jeffrey Dahmer, like at least something where john you're john gacy yeah exactly john gacy like you're knocked out you're fucking in a coma you're in an accident like your fucking skull is cracked there's something that happens to your brain there's traumatic brain injury compiled on the top of being whatever like genetically prone and then it creates a zero killer, and it's like one in however many. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, like, a lot of the times there's other factors to it. Right. So, like, we are not giving a free pass to these freaks. No. Um, this no. is not like a, oh, they hit their head, and that's why they're like this. It's just it contributing. Is, yeah, it it's is contributing. probably... the things that create it. Right, because there are a lot of people who get traumatic brain injuries right. and then never go on to do this stuff. So it is partially, and, you know, like, a, a growing up. I do have up. to say, my sister... Slammed my head into a fucking concrete pole in um, Food for Less. I'll never forgive you, Trudy. Because I chipped my fucking tooth. And also, that's a... Yeah, maybe it's not my brain, but like did you still. have? Did the doctor say you had a traumatic brain injury, Mary? You know. No? No, it did Okay. No, he didn't. We've all but had heads. <laughs> moral of the story is... <laughs> it doesn't mean we're all going to be my violent. My sister was mean. People. And you're also it, not a violent person. I'm not a violent person, all. but like, there's a fine line, you know, you know, between okay. Trudy, don't worry. You didn't make a killer out of her. <laughs> you know, it, any chance to bring it up. I, I also will. don't know like where you hit your head, but typically like, like the front of my head. Oh, okay. Like near my teeth. Yeah. I was going to say like, typically like it's tooth. your frontal lobe. Okay. You, because like, is your tooth attached to your frontal lobe? Or no, is no. Right. Well, so nothing to do with this, but also. It was traumatic for me. It was a traumatic brain injury. Yeah, I got several serious head injuries when I was little, but they were all in the back of my head, so I think it just made me kind of stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. That's adorable. So, (laughs) Front front of the head, bad. Like, turns you into a serial killer. Back of the head, you're just like, cute, dumb. Whatever. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. No. Um, (laughs) So, two years later, he hid his head again. And was unconscious for 24 hours. So this is what Mary was talking about, where he was, like, harassing a woman. Um, He was climbing on a fire escape at, like, a bar or something and um, fell off of it. 
and then was unconscious for 24 hours. So that's two brain injuries. Um, And then at age 20, he was arrested for molesting a 13-year-old girl. So this is where it got a little dicey, too. I couldn't find this out because he had said that his mother encouraged him to rape his sisters. Um, And some of the accounts I saw said that this 13-year-old girl was actually his sister, and some said that it was a close family friend. So I'm not entirely sure which it is, but um, whoever it was was pregnant. Um, He was convicted of it, but he didn't um, do any prison time because uh, whoever it was refused to give evidence, which is understandable because, like, most of the people in his life were kind of afraid of him. Um, So I'm sure there was a very good reason for not giving evidence. Um, But he, again, this is like another thing that he did and was terrible and he should have gone to prison, but he didn't see any consequences. He didn't face any consequences. So just like another thing in which he's learning, oh, I can do these things and get away with them. Um, After this, though, his family kind of disowned him. And then in September of 1962, At 21, he became acquainted with his first wife, Catherine Rena Costello, who was a former prostitute slash stripper, depending on the source. She was pregnant at that time, and he was... I... To be honest, I can't really remember. I think he was in a truck. He was driving trucks at the time, and he picked her up off the side of the road, but she was pregnant and they got pulled over by police officers and the police officers got kind of, um, like the police officer was being a a dick about it. And so, um, they lied and Fred was like, Oh, that's, that's my baby. She's pregnant with, with my kid. Um, and then after that, they got married in part because Rena said that she would have to disappear, uh, if he didn't marry her because the police were going to come looking for her. Um, but her daughter, Charmaine Carroll, was born February 22nd, 1963. And afterwards, they moved to Glasgow, Scotland. Um, but her birth was kept a secret because her father was Pakistani. Um, so there was like a a more clear lack of resemblance, I guess you would say, between them. Right. Uh, so they tried to say that they had adopted her. Um, and then in July, 1964, Costello had Fred's daughter, Anne Marie. So this was biologically Fred's daughter. And during this time he worked in an ice cream van and that's how he met Anne McFall, who was his lover, the person who took care of his children and his first victim. Um, he supposedly was very in love with her. That's what he said. I don't know that a psychopath can be in love with someone, but he saw her waiting. She looked really disheveled and dirty. Um, She was out prostituting because her mother was an alcoholic and they needed money. So she went out to prostitute. He saw her there. He thought she was really beautiful and he stopped her to give her ice cream and she rode in the truck with him for the rest of the day and they started talking about it. He found out her situation um, and then he said that she could come home with him. Um, and when he brought her home, Rena, his wife was like, yeah, okay, whatever. They didn't, Rena and Fred didn't seem to at all have a love, love filled marriage. Um, 
It's kind of a weird marriage because it almost seemed like sometimes it mattered that they were married and then other times it didn't matter that they were married. Um, It was really selective because she would get jealous sometimes, but not all the time because she was also sleeping around. She was still stripping um, and prostituting. So it was kind of strange. Um, November 4th, 1965, he accidentally ran over a four-year-old boy which and I, killed him. It's I'm sorry, but like that's a crazy story because it's like, reading about this, it's before he officially like murders anyone that we know of, you know? And he fucking like is driving the, the ice cream truck, I think. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he accidentally, it's, it's on record in the courts, like everything. As an accident, he kills a four-year-old boy. He runs him over. Yeah. Whether so, it was actually an accident we don't know everybody now yeah probably wasn't probably wasn't but everyone seemed to think it was yeah um but after that he kind of got freaked out and uh didn't want to stay where he was because he thought he was gonna get in trouble um so his marriage started to kind of like break up with rena she decided to stay in glasgow um, while Weston, the two children, moved home to uh, Much Markle. And while he was there, he had to surrender his children to social services because he didn't have anyone to watch them while he was at work. And um, Anne McFall just showed up. I don't know where she went in that interim, but she just showed up um, in Much Markle one day and was like, cool, I'll watch your kids. And they started a romantic relationship. Um, the kids came back and lived with them. And then Rena would visit like every two months just to check on the kids. And during this time, Anne got pregnant. Um, and this is also where it gets, I, it's hard to tell because West said that um, Rena came back and she was very upset and he was trying to save Anne from Fred's anger. Um, but there's not... It's hard to know if this is just something he came up with after the fact to not feel so bad about Anne dying. But also, like, maybe he literally interprets the situations like that. Like, I don't even know if his brain is capable of, like, interpreting how people actually feel. Like, everything is filtered through this, like, heavy ego. So it's like, he can't really see anything outside of himself. So he's like, of course all these women wanted to have sex with me. Like, Like, everything is centered around him. So you have to, like, take his stories knowing that, like, yeah. he's an ego, like, fucking maniac. Yeah. Um, I guess Mary and I are going to intertwine here a little bit. Because yeah. she's going to talk about the murders, but um, there were some things that happened before Fred met Rosemary. So, um, yeah, if you want to talk about Anne's murder... Yeah, uh, so Andrea was talking about Anne McFall. Um, So, like, obviously she is his mistress. He's married to Rena at the time they're having their relationship. She was 18 years old. Um, At the time of her death, she's eight months pregnant with Fred's child. Um, uh, And this is all, like, I mean, we, we, we have her body. Like, they found her body. But this is all, like, also based on Fred's word, which, like, every article I've, like, read was, like, very much so take it as a grain of salt because this person is a pathological liar and he is the only reference point to a lot of these things. So like, and there's, which Bonnie will go into, I'm sure, but like there's a lot of limits to this uh, investigation. It's not as uh, thorough as we would have liked it to be. So starting with Anne Anne McFall, 
his mistress, who was eight months pregnant at the time of her death with uh, his child. She vanishes in July 1967. Um, she's never reported missing, um, but her dismembered remains uh, were found buried at the edge of a cornfield near... Um, uh, gosh, I cannot say is the hometown. Much Markle. Thank you. Much Markle. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I think that's it. Um, which is like Fred West's hometown. So... Um, her limbs had been um, disarticulated, which means separated the joint from the um, bone or joint from the muscle or whatever. So, like, um, very this murder is very much, like, in Fred West's style. Uh, now that we, like, can look back and see this serial killer's style, it, this is, like, the first, like, real example we have of it. Um, so she was disarticulated, um, separating the, bo- the bone at the joint. Her fingers and toes had been cut off. Um, to be kept as trophies. So that is like the main feature of a Fred West murder is no matter what he like, he will cut off uh, the phalanges. So the fingers or the toes and keep them as trophies. And we never, we never see them again. Um, super disturbing. We're, it's going to be pretty disturbing. So get ready people out there, but her unborn child was cut from her. Um, which is a reoccurring theme. A lot of pregnant women are killed in this situation. Uh, and there's no mention of the baby. Um, so West initially, like during his arrest, he denies her murder. He later um, tells an inmate he stabbed her to death during an argument, not consistent with evidence. Uh Evidence shows us um, her wrists were bound, um, so she had been restrained prior to death. Um, So uh, very much suspected by the investigators that she had been sexually tortured and raped, which um, this is the first true Fred West killing, where he restrains somebody he has an emotional connection to, he has a sexual relationship with, uh, tortures, binds them, and then... Um, kills them so it's very super 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 personal uh yeah and then i guess we get into full-fledged murders yeah well okay so um after this while he was still married to rena he met rosemary letts uh he met her on november 29th 1968 on her 15th birthday uh, and just to give you a little background on Rosemary, um, she was born in Northam, Devon, to William Andrew Bill Letts and Daisy Gwendolyn Fuller. Um, Daisy, it's weird that they both, both of them have mothers that have the same name because both of their mom's names are Daisy. <laughs> wow. Um, but... Rosemary's mom, Daisy, had a really difficult pregnancy and she suffered from depression and was given electroconvulsive therapy, uh, which probably did some damage because I don't know. While she was pregnant. Yeah. I don't know why you would ever do that to a pregnant woman. While she was pregnant with Rosemary. Yeah. Mm. Um, But afterwards, uh, Rosemary was born. She grew up into a moody yet precocious teenager. Um, she didn't do that great in school. Her parents separated when she was a teenager and she lived with her mom for a while, but, um, her mom's, um, depression and, um, 
Never mind. I thought she drank too, but it doesn't seem like it. Um, but at, because of her depression and, you know, it was just really difficult to live with her mother. So she moved in with her father at the age of 16. And her father was a paranoid schizophrenic. He was prone to violence and he repeatedly raped her um, and continued to do so. I guess he had started before she moved with her mother. Um, and then when she moved back, he continued to. Um, and even once she got away and married Fred, her father would still come visit to rape her. And Fred thought it was totally normal. We all know that he has some really fucked up ideas about incest and what you can do with family members. Mm. Um, so he didn't really see it as a bad thing. He actually referred to it as making love. Ew. Which is disgusting. Ew. Um, and he caught them like half a dozen times, but didn't, didn't do anything about it. Blah. Yeah. Oh, um, barfy, barf, barf. He was also really controlling of Rosemary. And she said that in interviews. Again, it's hard to know how, you know, what, what she's making up for herself to um, make herself feel better about the things she did and what actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, but she said that he, he prostituted her out. So not that she made the decision, but he made the decision. Um, he turned the first floor of their home into a brothel and she said she agreed to it because she loved Fred and it apparently made him happy. Uh, she was also super brainwashed at this point and very used to abuse. Abuse was the norm for her because she grew up with it. So I don't think she really thought anything of it at the time, um, except that this is just something you do. And he would film her having sex with other people. She said she really didn't want to have sex with them, but she did because of him. Um, oh, I also forgot to mention that they... Uh, Moved in together on her 16th birthday. So she was still really young. Yeah. Um, and October 17th, 1970, Rosemary gave birth to their daughter, Heather Ann. Um, I, I'll let you take it from here if you would like. Cool. All right. Um, so after they have Heather, uh, the family now includes um, Fred West, Rosemary, um, Heather West, um, and Charmaine, because Heather is the first of their, um, mutually, like, biological children. Uh, so we know at this point, Fred West is obviously super fucked up. Um, Rosemary West is beginning her career as a prostitute. Um, out of, uh, their home, whether they're living in their, I, I believe it's, like, Midland apartment, or um, Cromwell Street, number 25. Um, uh, she really fully starts her um, prostitution career in, in Cromwell Street, but um, they're working towards it. Uh, so I guess some quick facts about Fred West, particularly. We'll get into Rosemary a little bit here. But um, in total, Nine sets of human remains were found at 25 Cromwell Street, the place of residence of um, Fred and Rosemary West. Super infamous place. Um, not there anymore, actually. It got knocked down. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Sadness. Little Bonnie's making a face. I know. I kind of wish it was there, too. It's but a pathway I'm making now. Face. Oh, sadness. I'm happy it's gone. I'm, I'm making this face because you're taking all the information oh, that no. I was going to report on. <laughs> oh, my God. No. You can't. Okay, never mind. 
Um, like, hey, that's my point. No, you're super right. Uh, so I guess we'll just slip on into the murders. Uh, Fred West. What a son of a bitch. Um, he committed murder for a variety of reasons. Both practical reasons and um, mostly sexual gratification. Um, he uh, killed alone at first and then um, sucked Rosemary in to their just like crazy sexual murder web. But also, I'm torn about her. Some resources, it's like Rosemary is painted a certain way and some resources she's not. And that's how history reports on the woman. It's like from her perspective or the man's perspective. So it's two very different stories. The way that Andrea was talking about Rosemary is a lot different from the way that I was reading about Rosemary West, which I find to be very interesting. Which honestly, I read about it both ways. This seemed to be, this was like, the way they featured her more in this particular documentary that I watched, um, which is why I saw her that way, but I'm super interested in how um, she was portrayed to you. Yeah. Um, Honestly, like, the way... I think I was reading... uh, Well, I was reading a lot of articles written by men, and so um, the way that they portray Rosemary West is in... um, She is an unsatisfiable sexual deviant. She is this, like, fat ugly kind of grotesque woman described by like male writers um from that male view that she is just like this unsatisfiable like sexual being and and I was like interested I could tell that a man had written a few of the articles that I had read uh that, that painted her in the worst light that didn't at all like think this this woman has been raped and um objectified and sexualized from the time that she was very young by her own father so like how would she ever understand a sexual relationship that didn't involve violence and um so it's you get two very different views of rosemary west um i guess we'll start with really the second murder that um fred west commits um that we know of uh so after he meets rosemary um the first murder has already been committed. Um, he has, at this point, he meets Rosemary, starts this relationship with her. She's about 15 or 16. And he has in his custody his two daughters, um, Charmaine and Anne-Marie. Um, so we'll start talking about the Charmaine West murder, uh, which was actually committed by Rose, um, which is super interesting to me because... Fred West at the time is a petty criminal. He's in and out of jail kind of constantly through the beginning of their relationship. Uh, Rosemary West is 16 and uh, Fred West has these two children from two different relationships. She's run away from her family. She's relying completely on Fred West at this point. Uh, And he's in jail. He is like participating in like check fraud, tax fraud, vehicle fraud, fucking whatever. Like who fucking knows? He's in jail at this point for like six months. And she's tasked and taking care of two kids at the age of 17. She's got a bad temper. She's got limited patience. And she really starts abusing these two girls. Um, so the timeline of this murder, uh, Charmaine, to remind you, is the daughter of Fred, we- Fred West's first wife, Um Rena, I think, uh, and she was the illegitimate child of um, a Pakistani bus driver. Um, 
So it's thought that Rose kills Charmaine shortly before Fred's release from prison in June 1971. Uh, so this is just about Charmaine West and her abuse uh, at the hands of Rosemary shortly before her death. Um, so according to Anna Marie West, her half-sister, she and Charmaine were frequently subjected to criticism, beatings, and other forms of punishment throughout the time they lived under Rose's care at Midland Road, their first apartment. But although Anna Marie was generally submissive and prone to display emotion in response to the physical and mental hardships, um, which is what Rosemary wanted, she wanted for her punishments to go... Uh, to get something across. Um, she did not want a lack of emotion. Um, Charmaine repeatedly infuriated Rose by her stoic refusal to either cry or display any sign of grief or servitude, no matter how severely she was physically punished. Um, and after years of, of psychological and physical abuse, uh, Charmaine remained strong. She was a a strong person and she had a strong spirit and she was very much loved by her friends and her sister, um, by all accounts. And she really held to the belief that her mother, uh, would come save her from Rosemary and from Fred. Um, she had a very tragic story and it really affected me, um, because it was Fred's essentially his own daughter. Um, so I guess the relationship between Charmaine and Rose was very difficult and Charmaine would stand up for herself during the beatings, um, that Rose would inflict on her and that really, um, angered Rose. And so one situation of abuse that was... Uh, recollected by her sister uh, just displayed to me like the true cruel cruelty of Rosemary West um, and really solidified my opinion of her because it really is hard to decide if she is a victim or not. It's really hard to know. It's like a difficult thing to talk about. Um, but I think this quote will help you decide as well it is pretty brutal so if you need to fast forward go right ahead um a childhood friend of charmaine's named tracy giles who had lived in the upper flat of midland road would later recollect an incident in which she had entered the west's flat unannounced only to see charmaine naked and standing upon a chair gagged and with her hands bound behind her back with a belt as Rose stood alongside the child with a large wooden spoon in her hand. According to Tracy, Charmaine had been calm and unconcerned, while Anna Marie had been standing by the door with a blank expression on her face. Um, so that's the level of abuse to which Charmaine had to survive. Um, so the murder is of Charmaine is believed to have been um, in June 1971, really shortly after um, Charmaine and Anne-Marie and Rosemary make a visit to Fred West while he is in prison for like a six-month stint um, for like a petty crime, essentially. I think it was theft. Something yeah. stupid. Yeah. He was involved in a bunch of ridiculous shit. Um, 
Rose ended up telling a friend of Charmaine um, who had come to visit her after this murder that supposedly took place around the 15th. Um, she's gone to live with her mother in uh, bloody good riddance. Like, um, and immediately the friend started crying because she knew it was something more than that. It was like Rose had essentially just had enough of taking care of this child. Um, she explained her disappearance uh, to the school, to her friends, to anybody who's around by saying that um, Rena, her mother, had come to take her daughter with her uh, to live in Bristol. Um, so Fred gets out of prison and tells Anne-Marie, his fucking daughter, who had lived with Charmaine her entire life, um, that her sister had moved to Scotland with Rena. Um, without much other expe- uh, explanation. So Charmaine's body was stored in a cellar um, at the Midland Road uh, home until Fred was out of prison. So it's pretty much uh, guaranteed or, or known by investigators that um, Charmaine was killed by Rosemary. And this was the second murder associated with Fred and Rosemary West. Um, and it was the first daughter that he killed <laughs> and not the last daughter that he fucking killed, which is fucked up. Yeah. Super fucked up. Super fucked up. Um, Fred later buried Charmaine's naked body in the yard. Um, he said he didn't dismember her, uh, which I think he like when he's confessing to these murders, he's like trying to, spare himself by saying that like killing my own daughter was difficult for me like i didn't do the normal things that i actually do but her body was kind of dismembered and it's really hard to know whether it was from yard work or from fucking fred's like serial killer tactics it we don't actually know if she was a victim of fred's or a victim of rosemary's but it it is very much believed and she was charged as a victim of rosemary's um so the next murder directly connected to Charmaine is Rena West, who is Charmaine, um, is her mother. She maintained contact with Fred and her children um, when she and Fred f- separated. Fred was granted custody. Uh, Rena suffered from anxiety and depression. She was a heavy drinker. Um, she was an on and off prostitute. A sex worker and so she was in and out of her children's lives but she loved them and cared about them very much um she was in and out of contact with them she would get in contact every couple of months um when she stopped hearing from her children she went to confront fred uh, um of the whereabouts of her children they say august 1971 um after that she was never seen again um she is believed to be strangled Maybe in the backseat of Fred's uh, car, probably while intoxicated. Um, Her body, when her body was found, uh, it was very much signs of a Fred West murder. She was found with a short length of metal um, tubing suggesting she had been restrained and sexually assaulted and tortured before her death. Um, Her body was extremely dismembered. It was placed into plastic bags and buried close to a tree in a field. Um, A field that was really close to Fred West's hometown. Um, 
And it was because she she came around their West home asking about Charmaine and they didn't have the answers. And so they killed her. Uh, whether Rosemary participated is still up in the air. Um, yeah, so three months after this assault, uh, the murder spree, this murder spree, like, really officially, um, begins. Um, uh, so after the murder of, um, Rena West, um, Fred and Rosemary West get married and they start their lives together. They had been living together at this point for obviously a long time. Um, so they get married, they move out of Midland to Cromwell place, um, with, uh, Anne-Marie and Heather. And then, um, another child is born. Um, her name is, um, they end up naming her May June. And so at this point they have three children, um, who are living with them. Well, I guess two. Oopsies. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> two. Um, they have Anne-Marie and May June. Um, and this is when their life at Cromwell starts. And, uh, essentially Rosemary becomes a prostitute full time. Um, they have the house outfitted to her prostitution. They have a separate room for her. Um, Fred is like doing odd jobs or whatever. Uh, and it's just like an abuse filled home. So this is when the domestic violence really starts with the children. They have a son named Steven. Eventually they have fucking like eight children. I think um, there's 11. Oh my God. They have I a think lot of so. kids. A lot of sources don't even fucking name all the kids. Like we've got like they the main yeah. players. They yeah. kind of talk about the main, yeah, the main ones. Um, right. But I think, I think it was 11. Yeah. 11 kids. Like so many kids and some, some of the children are attributed to being like Rosemary's clients. Some of them, it's even believed that it was her father's fucking children. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Essentially you get a feel for their life on Cromwell. It's fucking crazy. They live in a big house. They have enough rooms where they can rent out. Um, it helps them pay pay for the house and it also gives them an opportunity to like be connected to a lot of different people they have um at first they're renting the house out to men so men are occupying the um extra rooms and they're like rosemary is like having sexual relationships um out the wazoo she is just like having crazy banging times um <laughs> And they're just committing a lot of fucking ridiculous murders. Like, they're just being ridiculous all the fucking time. Uh, I actually titled my note page, Just a Couple of Murders. Because, like, whatever. They're in, like, their wedded bliss time. Two serial killers in love. Gross. What the fuck? How the fuck did they find each other? Um, so this is when we kind of get into, like weird territory like rosemary is like a full-blown prostitute fred west is like putting ads in the local paper that's like come fuck my wife like let's do this open my home to you like fucking ridiculous shit is happening oh bird clock wow the birds wow beautiful take a shot if you're following along oh this is the time to drink right now 
Dark history drinking game. Dark history drinking game. Every time you hear the word fucky, every time the bird clock goes off. Aw. Yeah. What else? Just kidding. Let's don't. Nope. Continue. Sorry. Gosh, I don't <laughs> every know. Every time we get distracted. Like, oh, <laughs> every time else. we get distracted. <laughs> uh, yeah. God, you know more than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um. So this this is like where I begin to like question my like like just like think about Rosemary West because. This is, like, the time where she's, like, having a lot of contact with, like, other people, essentially. And we're getting a lot of, like, these, like, super famous quotes from her where she literally says, like, um, she bragged to several people, no man or woman could completely satisfy her. Um, she would always be increasing the level of brutality with women, um, surprising them with her, like, brutal sexual nature and it seemed to give her so much pleasure and i feel like it's when like she's like first living in cromwell and they're renting out these rooms that she's like really discovering her sexuality and like really like fucking like having a good time getting weird Mm. fucking weird stuff's happening um and like if she would do something like really brutal to one of her female partners, like uh fucking um partially suffocating somebody, <coughs> inserting increasingly large deal- dildos into her partner's body, like stuff that like is like very much crossing the lines of consent. Um, she would ask, like, aren't you woman enough to take it? Jeez. Like she's just like pushing these like weird boundaries sexually. Um, so, like, Rose and Fred, like, would participate in threesomes with people coming in and out of their, like, boarding, or, like, people that they were picking up, um, around their town. Um, they were, like, having sexual sessions involving bondage, um, they were really taking pleasure from any form of sex involving a strong measure of dominance, pain, and violence. Um, so things are escalating like pretty quickly for them. They're really like really escalating their sexual relationship um, to a crazy level. Uh, they are also amassing a large collection of like bondage items um they're recording things they're making videotapes they're taking pictures they're fucking documenting their sexual exploration um which i know is not something that like they're not thinking of it in terms of what happens when we get caught but also like you just don't do that yeah man you know like now there's documentation of some of the shitty things that you've done oh yeah i mean it makes me think of um the fucking barbie ken murders of uh hamilton canada where they fucking recorded everything and then the thing that got them in the trial was like well yeah you can deny it all you want but like we have it on camera that you fucking like raped and killed this person and it would have damned them we'll get into that (coughs) but they fucking um they were recording constantly. So at this point, height of Rose's prostitution, she was controlling the finances of the West's home. Um, she had her own room. 
where she would was prostituting from that had peepholes in it so Fred could watch. So it was always part of their own sexual relationship. It was like her like quote unquote like deviant sexual behavior. Even the prostituting, which was like supplying the household with money, Fred was also like sexually benefit benefiting from these things. Um, he had peepholes in the room, he had a baby monitor, like all of the different ways that you can like spy on your fucking woman banging other dudes and ladies um the room was like pretty pimped up it was called she called it rose's room she kept the key to the room around her neck like she was very much like the quintessential villainous stepmother she like had this secret key around her neck for this room that had a red light outside. And if the red light was lit, you could never go inside because there was some dirty happening in there and you couldn't be seeing that. And that's fucking Rosemary West. Like she was just like creepy, creepy motherfucker weirdo. Um, <laughs> well said. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I just like, yeah, can't mm -hmm. say it better. Uh, so even super, do you want to hear a super gross fact, Andrea? Do you want to hear a super gross fact about this? Do I want to? Right now? Yeah. So guess who, uh, one of Rosemary West's, uh, best customers was? Who? Her father. Good no. guess. Yeah, it was her oh, dad. Oh, fuck no, no. that. Ew. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no. I tried to lighten that for you, um, uh, but it didn't work because her father, <laughs> yeah, her father, uh, fucking patron, he found out about Rosemary's prostitution and instead of being like, yo, that fucking sucks. Uh, I don't want my daughter to be a prostitute. He was like, oh, okay. You know, so when can I make an appointment? Ew. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so during the time of her prostitution, uh, she gave birth to eight children. Um, Fred accepted these children as his own. Uh, probably a lot of them belonged to her clients. Um, yeah. So this really segues into the domestic violence that was going on in, in the West's home. Um, they abused the fuck out of those kids. Uh, once they reached the age of seven, they were assigned uh, daily chores to perform in the house. They were never, uh, if, if ever, allowed to socialize outside the home um, unless Fred or Rosemary were present. Uh, they followed extremely strict rules and guidelines um, and if they didn't follow those exactly, uh, they were severely punished. Um, the punishment was almost always physical. Uh, the children feared their parents, um, because of the physical violence. Um, and surprisingly, the vast majority of the violence was inflicted by Rose. So she was the disciplinarian. Fred was not around as much. Rose was the person who was abusing the children um, in horrible ways. So that also uh, makes me think that she deserves to uh, fucking rot in jail for the rest of her life. 
for so many reasons, but yeah, the child abuse alone um, from her was just like fucking irrational. But she was also indiscreet. She understood that the children had to go to school, that they were seen. And so she was very maniacal about her abuse. It was like never in the face, always in the body. The examples that I read, it was like she stepped in a bowl of water while one of the children was cleaning the floor and got so upset that she like kicked one of her children in the ribs like several times to the point where they like passed out or like she would like injure a child's like torso and spare their face and like not let them shower like during gym be like you're not allowed to shower during like physical activity at school because nobody can see your body because like i'm like just like fucking shit like that like ugh. um and it's also a failure of the justice system, of the criminal system, because the children between 1972 and 1992, they were admitted to the accident and emergency department of local hospitals 31 times. The injuries were explained as accidents and never, never, not once reported to social services. Like... I believe that emergency room workers are mandated reporters, so they probably should have faced some punishment. Yeah. For that, because they're supposed to report that shit. And like, one or two bad injuries, sure, okay, accident. But that many? That's insane. It's super insane. And it's like, for the amount of children that they had... For the amount of abuse abuse the children endured, they never were flagged for it. Their um their building, which like however many tenants they had living there, actually was raided for marijuana, um, and like substance control essentially while they were like had tenants there, like while they were living there, while they were murdering people, and they they raided it for like very small amounts of marijuana. So it just like shows you like what the fuck the police we're doing at this point in time in like this area fucking nothing um and like rose not only abused children she also abused her relationship with fred she was violent towards him as well um there are numerous occasions where she's recounted by her children by witnesses as like getting super violent with him and also like wielding a weapon and like cutting him or whatever and um, just being, like, very numb about that whole experience. And just, like, violence was, like, very much part of her personality. Um, and so now we get into the sexual assaults, um, which is very much the precursor to the West's murdering as a couple. Because it really is the escalation of, like, their sexuality, really. Um, so th they first sexually abuse their children, um, which is super disgusting and fucked up and hard to talk about. Um, but I will briefly cover that. Um, Anna Marie West. Uh... She was eight years old. She was 
led to the basement of the Cromwell apartment or the Cromwell house. And she was sexually molested. I don't really want to talk about it. I don't think that it's necessary to go into like what happened to her. Um, it's disturbing and I'm a very brutal person, but it's too much to talk about on a podcast. Uh, yeah. So she was sexually assaulted and molested in horrible ways, uh, by her family. And they basically said if she ever told anybody about the beatings or molestation that they would fucking kill her. Um, and so she kept it to herself and she very much exhibited the signs of an extremely battered child and people recognized it. Parents of her friends, her school teachers, like people fucking like after the fact were like, yeah, this was a disturbed child. She had obviously been horrifically molested from a young age, but they did nothing to stop it. Um, and Fred and Rosemary West told her that this was the way life was going to be. This is what the norm is. This is what is supposed to happen. Um, and it was very much equal. So Fred and Rosemary West both sexually assaulted Anne-Marie and they both violently assaulted her and made her feel like it was the norm. Um... Another um, person they sexually assaulted uh, outside of their own family was a woman named Carolyn Owens. Um, This was October 1972. The West hired her. uh, She was 17 years old. Um, They uh, hired her as their nanny. They picked her up one night on a secluded country road. Um, She was hitchhiking um, after having visited her boyfriend. Uh, which this is like, it's almost like this is their first victim, but it's like the tester victim that sometimes happens with serial killers. Uh, if the police system is stupid enough not to catch them and you'll very much understand that after I tell you the whole story. Um, so she's like, she's like a lost 17 year old girl. She's not happy with her home situation. She's visiting a boyfriend Like, she's looking for money. She's poor. These people pick her up. They seem like whatever, nice people. She uh, agrees to go home with them and become their nanny. So, like, after she becomes their nanny, she moves into Cromwell. Um, Rosemary and Fred West both make sexual advances towards her. Um, They try to get her to engage in prostitution And she very much stands to her values and is like, no, I'm just here to be the nanny. I have a boyfriend. I don't want to sleep with anyone. Like, she turns them down flat every single time. They become frustrated with her. Um, Fred tells her creepy things because he's really creepy. And one way that he is described as hair suit Oh, like his body's covered in hair. Like he's like a little oh. werewolf man. I thought that was like a French word. Hair suit? Yeah. The way you said it was like that it was Like he said like he has a hair suit. Yeah, now but I understand. That's what, you're what it saying. means is a hair suit. No, it's just hair suit, right? He is wearing a little hair suit. Ugh. <laughs> but that's like He is like a creepy manchichi. Dude. Hey, let's not insult 
Sorry. Men's body hair. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, wait. Oh, no. You know. That's not, I thought you were going to say last no. night and saw Monchi cheese. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Monchi cheese, no. no. Men's body, yeah. Like, if you look like you're wearing a little hair suit under if, your normal if, suit. If you look like you're wearing a hair suit and you're a serial rapist and murderer, then it's gross. Yeah. But, like, just, like, normal hair suit. You That's do you. Fine. Yeah. You're right, Andrew. Thanks for checking in. Yeah. God damn. You know. I just mostly don't care if dudes are offended, but that's okay. <coughs> I get it. I'm just I'm just looking out for my hairy dudes. You're you sweet. Know. No, you're a sweet person. You yeah, you're sweet. Hairy women. Hairy Do women, go. I see you. Anyway. Um <laughs> so like one of um one of Fred's like pickup lines was that um he was really good at performing abortions. Um, most of the time after he performed an abortion, a woman was like, you know, thanks for that abortion. Let's fuck. And he was like, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. He loved to tell ladies that, which is <laughs> super fucked up and gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. That that's I tried to Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah. So that was one of his pickup lines. Um, so this is all like from, um, Carolyn's kind of like recounting of like what the Wests were like. Uh, basically, like they they try to get her to be sexual with them, and she fucking turns them the fuck down, and then they retaliate hard. And this is the first time that they've really engaged in like a brutal sexual situation um, without somebody's consent. Uh. So she, Owens leaves the West's house, um, but they know that she is hitchhiking on a certain road. So they go and pick her up and they apologize. And they're like, you know, we're really sorry that we were doing these things. Like, we want you to be the nanny to our children. We're not trying to, like, take advantage of you. And she believes them. She goes back to their house with them and they fucking um, lock her in the basement. Uh, and she becomes really the first victim of their crimes as a couple. Uh, so on Des- uh, December 6, 1972, uh, they, like I said, they lure her into their vehicle with an apology. Um, she believes them. She goes back to the house with them and uh, they try to engage in sex with her. And she resists and so they molest her. Uh, very much true to the crimes they would later um, commit. Uh, They knock her out. They bound her. um, They gag her with a scarf and duct tape. Um, At one point, she's given a drugged cup of tea to drink uh, in order to sedate her. Um, And she is uh, subjected to a prolonged sexual assault. Uh, there's no need to get into the details. You get it. It fucking sucked. Um, she is able to, um, convince them that she's trustworthy. They are like, okay, uh, after this, like, you're going to be our sex slave. Like, you're going to be our nanny, whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. So she, she uses her smarts to get out of the situation. She, um, escapes from Rosemary West in a laundry a launderette, uh, and she gets back to her family. The police convince her um, 
that she won't get anywhere with a, a rape and kidnapping charge when she goes to the police. She survives. She gets back to her mom. They report the incident to the police. They convince her, you're not going to get anywhere. Uh, just file like an indecent assault instead of a rape and kidnapping um, because the other one wouldn't have gone through because of who she was, her background, whatever. So the Wests are charged a fine of $75 each. They pay it. They get off. Um, once Carolyn Owens finds out the Wests are paid their fine on the Mach 3, she um, attempted suicide because of what she endured. Um, and after this assault is when the West's murders fucking really took off. Uh, so three months after this minor assault trial, um, they commit their first known member, first known murder uh, as a couple, which was of 19-year-old uh, Linda Gu. Uh, Gu might not be the way that you pronounce it. It's G-O-U-G-H. G-O-U-G-H. Gao? Gah. Gah? Gah? Goof? I mean, it's, it's not goo, I'll tell you that much. But like, okay. G-O-U-G-H. Gah. Gah. I would think. Okay. Gough. Yeah. So definitely not Linda Gu. That was, um... <laughs> go, baby. Bingo. Oh, go. Linda Go. go. Uh, so, like I said, tell us listeners. Yeah. Please let us know. I mean, but Van Gogh is Van Gogh. Gogh. Van Gogh. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So Linda Gogh. So Linda Gogh. Um, so like I said earlier in the story, while the Wests are living at Cromwell Street, they are, they have renters. Um, so when they have male renters, because they switch over to female renters at one point, but like 19-year-old Linda Gogh uh, is having an affair with some of the lodgers um, who are living at the Cromwell apartment. So that's how the Wests are introduced to her. Um, so she is having an affair with like some of the lodgers, and then she ends up moving into Cromwell. Um she literally moves in the 19th of April. The 20th of April, uh, Rosemary and Fred say they had to her mother um, that they had to kick her out because she hit one of the children. Um, and this is just like another excuse for explaining this like weird disappearance that nobody has an answer for. Oh, well, um, she hit one of the kids, so she, we, we made her leave. Uh, when in reality, they probably fucking murdered her. Yeah. Um, as Rose is telling Linda's mother, like, your daughter had to leave the house, blah, blah, blah. She's, like, wearing her daughter's clothing, wearing her daughter's shoes. And the mother can see in the house that her daughter's clothing is drying on a line. So, like, all of these things are, like, not adding up at all and, like, super obvious that something ridiculous is going on. Um, after this point, uh, there will be five victims, um, starting from November 1973 mm-hmm. to 1975, and Linda Goff is the first. Uh, the second is Carol Ann Cooper. She was 15 year old, years old. Um, she was abducted November 1973. Um, she lived in a home for children, 
whether she was an orphan or had run away from home. Um, she spent the evening with her boyfriend and was abducted after. While she was waiting for a bus, she vanished. Vanished. Um, she was probably dragged into Fred West's car. Uh, her body was found in such a way that her we know that her face was bound with surgical tape. Um, her, arms, her arms were bound and she was taken to Cromwell Street. Um, we know that she was tortured sexually uh, for however long before she was killed. She was suspended from wooden beams of the cellar ceiling, um, which is potentially how she was strangled is one theory into how they killed their victims. Um, I don't even know if I want to get too much into the details of the torture, honestly, because it just feels unnecessary and is super brutal. Um, she was subjected to extreme abuse before her murder. Um, she was dismembered and buried in the cellar of Cromwell Street. Um... In the 17 months after this period, four victims were subjected to increased torture and abuse. Um, and, and it's illustrated by the paraphernalia found uh, near their bodies or on their bodies um, when the dig at Cromwell Street happens. Um, each of them are disarticulated, which we, which we talked about earlier, means separating the bone from the joint um, and dismembered. Uh, Fred West's signature move was to cut off the fingers and toes of his victims. Um, so Shirley Mott was killed. 1978, um, she was pregnant at the time of her murder. She was probably a mistress of Fred West. Um, at the same time, Rose was pregnant with um, Fred or one of her client's babies as well. And Shirley Robinson... Um, is killed because she's a uh, mistress of um, Fred and because Rose had developed some like deep resentment um, at that time. And she was essentially killed to like preserve their relationship. Um, she was buried in the garden. She was extensively dismembered. Um, no restraints were found. The sexual motive was actually unlikely. Um, so a lot of the other murders, there was a strong presence of sexual motive. Um, but this one was because of, uh, like almost relationship motive outside of the sexual um, nature. Yet again, like in the um, some of the previous murders, the unborn baby was removed and several bones were missing, um, which was like the fingers and the toes and sometimes the kneecaps. Um, in August 1979, Allison Chambers, who was 16 years old, ran away from her children's home. Um, she was hired as the West's nanny and was killed um, shortly after that time. Yeah, so Allison Chambers, um, nanny in the West's home, uh, ran away from school, became one of their victims, was subjected to extreme sexual violence, um, and was just, like, made a lot of promises by the West that they would echo to, like, many other victims of a peaceful life. 
caring for children and a family that loved them. Something very much like missing from their lives. That's something that a lot of the victims have in common. They're looking for stability that the West's like were offering them. Um, another really important part of the West's uh, violent history is the abuse that they committed against their own children. The sexual abuse that they were committing against their own children. Uh, in the same year, 1979, that um, Allison Chambers was killed... Um, the abuse of Heather and Mae West really, really takes hold of, um, Fred and Rosemary. Um, it really became the focus of their lives, which is super disgusting and disturbing. Um... Anna Marie runs away from home in 1979... Um, because of a severe beating she received from Rose. Um, it was right after she had been discharged from the hospital from an ectopic pregnancy because her father had raped her. Um, the abuse had become more frequent because both of the girls had hit puberty, um, and Fred West had become really sexually obsessed with them. Uh, he was unapologetic in his contact and would justify his actions with a simple explanation, I made you, I can do what I like with you. He further referred his intentions to impregnate both of his daughters, at least on one occasion, and would occasionally force all of his children to watch pornography with him. Um, Heather May and their younger brother Stephen were very close in age. Um, they made a pact together that they would never be alone in a room with their father and that the girls would always have either the other sister or Stephen there to help um, to protect them. They watched out for each other, um, but it really didn't save them from um, Fred West ultimately. Uh, they had to be on guard really 24-7 from Fred West's sexual assault. Uh... And Stephen was informed that by the age of 17, by his own father, that he would be expected to have sex with his mother. Um, and that was something that was expected of all young men, was uh, to have sex with your mother. Um, and it just goes to show you how Fred West was raised, uh, potentially in an incestual relationship with his mother. But um, they very much made it the norm of their family for everyone to be involved in incestual relationships and for rape to be a punishment, um, for anything that you might do wrong in the house. The girls were obviously repulsed by their father's behavior, but they had to endure it at the same time. So they developed mechanisms for coping, um, which were observed by, each other, or uh, their friends, um, or, or teachers. Um, there are a lot of details about the molestations. I'm not going to get into it. It's gross. It sucks. He was a perv, and it was icky. And, like, not worth acknowledging. It sucked. Like, ew. 
super not good at all. Um, the girls had major psychological issues that they were issuing. Um, that they were obviously presenting at school and nobody really did anything to help them. Um, which again, just want to emphasize teachers are also mandated reporters. So super fucked up that both the emergency room uh, staff members and teachers didn't do anything. Yeah, it is super fucked up because it's like it's like so reported on. Like, I mean, to the point where it's like Heather, who was being raped by her father for a long time and was developing like major psychological symptoms that are very like very much reserved for victims of like sexual violence and people are recognizing it now they're writing articles about it but for some reason they didn't see it when it was happening when she was still alive it just pissed me off really um Yeah, so the relationship between Fred, Rosemary, and Heather in particular was very strained. Um, Heather resisted Fred's sexual advances. She was disgusted by him sexually. Obviously, she's a fucking child. She's his daughter. It's disgusting. This made Fred and Rosemary think that she was a lesbian because she was resisting her own father's sexual advances. So they very much, like, teased her for being a quote-unquote lesbian um, because she wasn't interested in sex with her own fucking father. Um, and so they started to hate her and taunt her um, and really want her out of their lives. Um, her father regularly referred to her as an ugly person and a bitch. Um, and Heather is it very much so expressing her, like she is enduring a lot of abuse. She wants to leave home. She's applying for jobs outside of the home She's fucking, like, 15 years old. She's, like, trying to leave in legitimate ways. She's trying to leave in illegitimate ways. She runs away. She confides in her brother and sister. She, like, applies for jobs. She's doing everything she can within her power to get away from this household. Um, she... It's really a tragic story. She was killed by Fred and Rosemary, obviously. Um... She can, she, because she basically began to reveal what her home life was like with Fred and Rosemary to her friends at school, to her teachers, she began not to be able to hide it anymore. The obvious uh, physical abuse that was happening and the mental duress, she was not able to contain it. Um... She was under an extreme amount of psychological distress. Um, the secondary school which she attended uh, was expressing some concern as to why Heather, 
A studious and obedient obedient pupil refused to obey orders either to change her clothing for or shower after sporting activities. Um, on one occasion, she was forced to take a shower, resulting in her peers and staff noting her arms and legs and torso were covered in welts and bruises in various stages of healing. Um, she attempted to explain them away as having fights with her sibling, but nobody really believed it. Uh, and at this point, too, rumors about Rosemary's sex life are starting to reach school. Um, people are starting to ask questions about Rosemary being a prostitute. Um, it's pretty much becoming undeniable that there's something crazy happening in the West's house and that there's something weird going on there in a lot of different ways. Um, and so she applies, Heather applies for a job um, in a seaside town and the job turns her down. And so she has one really upset night where she is like, my only chance of getting away, turn me down. What the fuck am I going to do? And she kind of is overcome with her emotions and she's crying really loudly um, as the household is trying to sleep. And um, this is really recounted by uh, her siblings, May and Stephen. As the last night they ever see their sister. Um, because shortly after, um, Fred and Rosemary West kill Heather, um, and they end up burying her in their backyard of Cromwell Street and explaining it away as she did get the job at the seaside town, um, to their own children, telling them Heather was took a job and is gone um, when really they murdered her. Um, and I think the siblings just didn't know what to believe or what to accept. Uh, and even like Fred West in jail, recalling like killing his own daughter is like a very sad and mournful act. Like he couldn't get her to cooperate. Like he couldn't get her to be what he wanted her to be. And so he just took her out. Uh, it's weird and disturbing. Um, but Heather will eventually be the thing that brings the Wests down. Um, she is the person, uh, that ends up really cracking the case. Um... So, um... Heather West's murder would be the the thing that eventually brings down Fred and Rosemary West. And really the thing that did it was they, obviously, they killed her. They buried her in the backyard. They built a patio over her body. Five years later, they are arrested on different charges, but Heather comes back up. They made constant threats to their children. If you don't behave, we'll bury you in the backyard with Heather. We'll bury you under the patio with Heather. And they were making these like disgusting threats to their children. And essentially all of these like ridiculous things catch up to them. Fred West rapes 
his 13-year-old daughter. In a lot of the articles I read, they don't mention her name. Sometimes they don't even mention that she is his daughter. We -hmm. know that she's the person that he molests is his daughter because it's in his own home. She's 13 or 14 at the time. And as a punishment, he rapes her. He sodomizes her. And she reports it to the police. Fred and Rosemary West are arrested for child neglect, child abuse, sodomy, rape. Um, And that begins the investigation. They are eventually, essentially cleared of the charges for assault because the 13-year-old daughter ends up not wanting to testify against her own mother, not wanting to talk about the rape. Anne-Marie also doesn't want to talk about the rape. It's like very complicated testifying against your own family. Um, and essentially, we think that we've let the West's slip out of our hands once again. But the fucking nail in the coffin is Heather West. Because now that the story is out there, and now that the Wests have been arrested for the, the rape of their own child, and the the almost like testimony, the account of something ridiculous happening is out there, people start to get curious. One investigative reporter in particular keeps asking, where is Heather? Investigators start to ask questions about Heather West. And then the West, even though the assault charges are never brought forth for the daughter that they raped, it begins the investigation into murder. Yeah. So, um, the police investigation officially began in 1992, which was five years after Heather disappeared. Um, so she disappeared in 1987. Um, they were acquitted of all the charges, um, in the rape case, but, uh, most of their, the younger children that they had were, were put into foster care and remained there. But the, some of the older kids, so like Stephen, I think Anne-Marie, um, the other May, what's what's her May? How do you say May it? June? May but, June. Yeah, what a weird name. But anyways, poor girl of all the things, she gets a weird name too. Uh, I think they were still in the house, so they claimed to their relatives that uh, any relatives that still spoke to them because they were estranged from most of the people that they're related to. Uh, that they said to them that the charges were fabricated by the police. Um, and then after that, any of those remaining family members severed contact with them. Uh, so the police were investigating at this time because there had been technically no record of her still being alive in all of this time. Uh, when Anna Marie was questioned about a quote unquote family joke regarding Heather being buried beneath the patio, um, she confirmed that the sole time she heard her father recite this claim, he had immediately burst into laughter, leading to her refusing to take the claim seriously. And the joke is that he would 
joke. I use that term loosely. Uh, they would say, like, to discipline the children, they would often say, like, you better behave or you're going to end up under the porch like your sister or something like that. Uh, so reports of Heather being under the patio reached the ears of Detective Constable Hazel Savage, an amazing name, a veteran Gloucester police officer who had dealings with Fred West going all the way back to the 1960s. So she knows about him. So Detective Con Savage discovered that Heather's national insurance number had never been used, indicating that she had never worked or claimed benefits since her disappearance. Hence, she was not working in some coastal town like they said she was. Other inquiries strengthened uh, the detective's belief that foul play was involved, and in February of 1994, she finally persuaded her superiors to obtain a search warrant and dig up the, the West's back garden. In retracing Fred's history, police also discovered that although Rena and Charmaine had disappeared in 71, no missing person report had ever been filed for either of them. Detective Savage and her colleagues were convinced Heather was dead and that Fred's repeated statement to his children that her body lay beneath the family patio might be true. And on February 23, 1994, Gloucester police successfully applied for a search warrant authorizing the search of 25 Cromwell Street to locate Heather's remains. When police displayed this warrant to Rose on February the 24th, she turned pale before becoming hysterical and shouting over her shoulder to her eldest son, Stephen, get Fred. Nope, that, she didn't say anything about, beyond that, so just get Fred. Get Fred. <laughs> just get Fred. Uh, who wasn't there, by the way? She became contradictory in her informal questioning at this time as to the circumstances surrounding Heather's disappearance. When reminded of these contradictions, she became uptight and abusive, shouting at the officers, I can't fucking remember. It's a bloody long time ago. What do you think I am, a bloody computer? Um, in his book, so Stephen West actually recently wrote a book or a couple years ago, whatever. In his book, Stephen... Um, he had been convinced by his father that his older sister was living in the Midlands and working out there. Recalls, quote, I told one of the detectives that they were going to end up making fools of themselves. And he just replied, that's up to us. I wanted to know the reasons why they thought Heather was buried there, but they wouldn't tell me. Fred had been working in Stroud at the time, and upon hearing of the police's intentions, he assured Stephen he would be home immediately. He did not come home for three hours. It has never been explained what Fred West did during those several hours. He himself claimed he pulled over and passed out and blamed fumes from the painting he was doing or something. But several authors and criminologists have speculated that he may have spent the time disposing of incriminating evidence, including his souvenirs from the bodies of his victims, or even visiting uh, an as-yet undiscovered barrel ground somewhere in South Gloucestershire. Damn, I'm so curious because... When I was reading about, like, the murders and the taking of the digits. Yeah. There's no mention of them no, afterwards. No. As, as any of my research, it, it's never brought up that they were found. It's it just mentions that they're missing from Yeah. So, like, you have or to or fucking So, they're somewhere. They are. So, uh, they have to be. And, I mean, this kind of... Finger bones buried somewhere. Mm, fuck yeah. yeah. Things like that. Um, Creepy, but... So when he finally arrives home, he informs his family of his intention to voluntarily offer a witness statement to police regarding his daughter's whereabouts. Despite Fred's insistence in this statement that Heather had been alive and well, albeit involved in a drug cartel, <laughs> and that the claims he and his wife had made as to Heather being buried underneath the family patio were simply rubbish, police were not convinced. 
In response, Fred abruptly changed tactics, claiming they simply held a grudge against him due to his 1993 acquittal of the rape of his daughter. That evening, with the search team having left their premises and a uniformed officer remaining at Cromwell Street to guard the excavation site, May and Stephen observed their parents talking in hushed tones as they repeatedly glanced towards the garden from their kitchen window. As police officers toiled in their back garden the next day, Fred and Rose West stayed up most of that night discussing what to do. Joffrey Wansell, who wrote the book An Evil Love, was um, obtained exclusive access to 150 hours of Fred West's tapes and other documents. Uh, he believes they cooked up a pact. He thinks uh, Fred, Frederick West would have told her that he would sort it out with the police the following day, and that she had nothing to worry about as he would take all the blame. Mr. Wansell says of the pact, though he would renege on it during his bleakest hours in prison, it was to bind him to her for the rest of his life. So on the 25th of February, Fred West was taken into Gloucester Police Station for questioning. He immediately admitted having killed Heather, but told Detective Savage, the thing I'd like to stress is that Rose knew nothing at all. On the afternoon of February 26th, a human femur was discovered under the patio, then human hair and other human remains. When the home office pathologist investigated further, he found two more femurs. The total of three means there were more. There was more than one person buried there. That evening, after an intensive questioning, Fred West claimed responsibility for murdering not just Heather, but two other women. His confessions were confusing and contradictory. At one stage, he tried to suggest that a lot of the killings were simply sex games that went wrong and he admitted that one of the women was Shirley Robinson. He said that despite Shirley being a lesbian and unbeknownst to Rose, he got her pregnant. He knew Rose would never let Fred and Shirley become a family, so he killed her, which is obvious bullshit. This was just one of many of Fred's stories that would evolve and change over time. The only constant thing that Fred held onto was that Rose was innocent. He agreed to go back to the garden and point out exactly where he had buried the two other girls. Shirley Robinson and Allison Chambers, who had vanished in the late 1970s, were the two, sorry, the 1970s, not the 1970s. That's <laughs> insane. That would make him a vampire. Um, that's not impossible. It's not, but anyways. Um, he kept quiet about the other six bodies that were buried in uh, the cellar and the bathroom. Janet Leach was a volunteer, quote, appropriate adult, I think that's sort of like a social worker. Um, it, you know what? I read into it a little bit today. Um, it's actually for uh, people under the age of 18, like considered children in court, uh, to represent them. I guess I actually have the description right after that. I didn't even... Damn. I forgot that I did. Sorry. Yeah, I was like so No, excited. you're right though. It, it's her... Uh, their job to befriend and assist usually juveniles who are taken into police custody. So right. yeah. Or so normally it would be Well, yeah, there's a reason that she was appointed to him obviously because he couldn't keep his story straight and he, I'm he was telling like ridiculous fantastical inconsistencies and completely illiterate. And yeah, I, I mean like I I don't know cuz like I'm never going to watch a video or listen to a recording of this man, but oh, like God. assuming by like all the things that we know about him that he like is you know yeah he had some stuff with like the way that he like acted and what that led people to believe that he had some like mental issues or like whatever right so i think that's why they um had her assigned to him and oh ooh, damn bird clock um and uh good it's a good thing they did because she 
was effective. Um, so uh, she soon found herself becoming a confidant to him. She, uh, Mrs. Leach said the police had not been able to get West to admit that there were other bodies, but she was able to get him to reveal that truth. She just simply asked, are there any more bodies? Fred authorized his solicitor to pass a note he had written to the leader of the murder investigation, Superintendent John Bennett of the Gloucestershire fuck, Gloucestershire <laughs> Police. Damn, that was good, though. Oh, it's a hard one. Because it's Gloucester, but it's Glau- Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. You did it. Glo- uh, Can you say that, Andrea? Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. Did I do it? My mom's called the G Shire because it's killing. It's hard for me. No, I'm trying to mess with it. My brain and like sickness. I don't know how to say I it. I just see it come out of your mouth. Yeah. Glou- Gloucestershire. Oh, yeah, you did a good job. Yeah, damn it. You did Yay. Good job. Okay. So the note that he passed said, I, Frederick West, authorize my solicitor, uh, Howard, Howard Ogden, to advise Superintendent Bennett that I wish to admit a further approximately nine killings, expressly Charmaine, Rena, Linda Gaw, and others to be identified. Signed, F. West. Questioned further as to his claims, Fred calmly explained there were five further bodies buried in his cellar and a sixth body beneath the ground floor bathroom. Most of these victims, Fred claimed, had been hitchhikers or girls he had murdered in the 1970s after picking them up at bus stops. Initially, Fred claimed uh, they had been killed when they had threatened to inform Rose of the infidelity um, and that he had transported their bodies to Cromwell Street to abuse, dismember, and then bury in shallow graves. The dismemberment, Fred claimed, had made it easier to bury the remains in shallow cubicle graves, and he agreed to return to Cromwell Street to indicate precisely where he had buried each victim. Between the 5th of March and the 8th, police found six further bodies of young females. Each victim had been extensively mutilated, and each body bore evidence of having been subjected to extreme sexual abuse prior to the act of murder. For example, the third set of remains discovered in the cellar was found with a length of cloth wrapped around the skull and an oval of adhesive tape 16 inches in circumference found with the remains had likely been used to gag the victim, whose ankles and wrists were also bound with a large section of rope. Also found in this grave was a large serrated knife. The second set of remains was found with a section of tubing twisted into a U-shape alongside her severed limbs, and her skull was found encased in adhesive tape, which had been wrapped around the section where her face had been 11 or 12 times, with a narrow plastic tube inserted where the nasal cavities had been in an effort to allow her to breathe prior to murder. Each set of remains were missing numerous bones, particularly fingers. Um, When questioned, Fred refused to divulge the reason or whereabouts of the bones. Again, we have no idea where they are, what happened to them. Um, He was also unable to identify many of his victims. Um, One he described as scar hand because she had a burn on her hand. Another he referred to as tulip because he thought she was Dutch. Uh, She was actually Swiss. Later, West admitted he had buried another victim, an 80-year-old girl born to his first wife, but fathered by another man at another house in Gloucester. He also confessed to having dumped two other bodies in fields near his childhood home at Muchmarkle on the Herefordshire Gloucestershire border. God. They were his first wife, Rena, and a former lover, Anne McFall, both of whom hailed from Scotland. Uh, West fixed 
West's victims were a mixture of hitchhikers, lodgers, and teenage runaways who had been either lured to 25 Cromwell Street or abducted. One of these was Lucy Partington, a 21-year-old university student. Um, her, she was picked up as she was waited, waiting for um, a bus on the outskirts of Chetel, Ch- Cheltenham. These names should not be that hard for me to say, but I'm really struggling. <laughs> Remember when we did uh, an episode about like Japanese names and one about oh, German names? I feel like I yep. did better with that than I'm doing right now. Anyways, okay, she was on the outskirts of Chel- Cheltenham one night in December in 1973. Um, she must have accepted a lift from Fred uh, alone. Um, or I'm sorry, she, she would not have accepted a lift from Fred alone. Um, it was because Rose had been in the car with him that she felt safe and got in the car. Um, and because of that, it definitely started to lead detectives to believe that Rose West was involved in the murders. Um, I mean, they believed it before, but little details like that um, certainly kept um, them moving forward and investigating her and not just accepting everything that Fred said. Uh, she denied everything uh, and feigned shock at her husband's confessions. She was bailed to a police safe house in Cheltenham where she lived with Stephen and May, but remained under suspicion. The house was bugged by police, but she never said anything to implicate herself. However, on the 18th of April, 1994, she was finally charged with a sex offense. Um, Don't worry, murder charges will come later. On the issue of her innocence, Rose was always consistent. She maintained she was not involved in the murders, but the discovery of Heather's body cast doubt on her position. How could she have not noticed her husband murder, dismember, and dispose of her own daughter under the patio? But proving that beyond all reasonable doubt would be difficult. Uh, Tony Butler, former chief constable, said... That was a challenge for the investigation. Just because the bodies were found in the house doesn't mean to say she had anything to do with it. Uh, Fred then signed a note saying that there were another nine victims. Among them... um, Oh, nope, I already said that. Sorry. Cut that out. (laughs) Just after the quote and that. And then I'm going to start back in and say... um, Uh, Despite Fred claiming responsibility for his daughter Charmaine's murder, detectives thought he was lying because back in November of 1970, Fred was sent to Lay Hill Prison to serve 10 months for for theft. Charmaine was dead before he was released. Which, again, back to what Mary said, pretty much proves that Rose did it. Also, the discovery of her body allowed a friend's comparison of the teeth with a photograph taken of the child before her disappearance, proving that Fred was lying. Despite Fred's insistence that his wife held no knowledge of any of the murders, investigators continued with their suspicions. Uh, the What she was arrested on was the rape of an 11-year-old girl and the physical assault of an 8-year-old boy, which were charges dating back uh, to the early 1970s. Um, she was refused bail and then transferred to Puckle Church Prison to be held in the maximum security wing. Here, she was questioned more closely about the murders, in particular those of her daughter and Linda. And on the 25th of April, she was formally charged with Linda's murder. Um, by the 6th of May, Fred and Rose were jointly charged with five counts of murder, with Rose simply replying, I'm innocent, upon hearing each formal charge. This proved to be a continuous trait through each of the 46 interviews investigators held with Rose prior to her trial. 
As well as the murders of the victims exhumed from Cromwell Street, Fred had confessed to the murders of his first wife, his stepdaughter, um, and burying them in other places. Um, so he agreed to identify those burial locations, and the remains were then unearthed between the 10th of April and the 7th of June. He was then transferred to Birmingham's Winston Green Prison, where a strict suicide watch called for his cell to be checked every 15 minutes. Um, Fred and Rose West were brought before a magistrate's court in Gloucester on June 30th, 1994. My birthday. Wow, well, not, really? Well, not 1989, but June 30th is my birthday. Damn. So five years after, I was five years old on this day. Wow. Um, he was charged with 11 murders and she was charged with nine. This was the first time the couple had seen each other since Fred's February arrest. Prior to the hearing of the formal charges against them, Fred leaned towards his wife and gently placed his hand upon her shoulder. In response, Rose, having ignored her husband's presence, visibly winced in discomfort. Both were ordered, held on remand. As police attempted to lead Fred from the hearing, he resisted their efforts and again attempted to move towards Rose, who again winced and attempted to writhe away from his grasp. Immediately after his court appearance, Fred was arrested on suspicion of murdering Anne McFall, whose body had been found on the 7th of June, but had not been officially identified until this date. He was formally charged with that murder on the 3rd of July. As he was held on remand at Winston Green Prison in the months following his arrest, Fred became increasingly depressed. This became worse after Rose's public rejection of him. Her refusal to reply to letters he sent her and reports leaked to the press in which she had assumed the role of a grieving mother who had lost a daughter and stepdaughter to her husband and in which she declared both her innocence of murder and her hatred of him. Fred pleaded with Stephen and Anna Marie to convey to Rose that he loved her, uh, but Rose never acknowledged these overtures. In response, Fred withdrew his earlier confessions to having acted alone in the murders and instead accused his wife of almost total culpability in all of the murders to which he had been charged, excluding that of Anne McFall, which he claimed had been committed by his first wife. Sure. <laughs> On New Year's Day in 1995, just as the media hubbub was beginning to die down, the initially strict suicide watch having been relaxed, on the 1st of January 1995, Fred West uh, was found hanging by a rope in his prison that he had constructed out of a blanket and tags he had stolen from the prison laundry bags. Uh, there was also... Um, he He, like bound this device to the door handle and a window catchment so he he did he wrote a suicide note um and it said to rose west steve and may well rose it's your birthday on the 29th of november 1994 and you will be 41 and still beautiful and still lovely and i love you we will always be in love the most wonderful thing in my life was when i met you our love is special to us so, love, keep your promises to me. You know what they are. Where we are put together forever and ever is up to you. We loved Heather, both of us. I would love Charmaine to be with Heather and Rena. You will always be Mrs. West, all over the world. That is important to me and to you. I haven't got you a present, but all I have is my life. I will give it to you, my darling. When you are ready, come to me. I will be waiting for you. Oh, cool. Cool, weird. A lot of weird stuff in there you know yeah. i would like I guess to i should have expected it would be like super intense about it but 
Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I would love to read like an analysis of that for somebody. Yeah. But yeah. anyways. Um, at a pretrial proceedings in February, Rose pleaded not guilty to 10 charges of murder. Um, though her counsel conceded that circumstantial evidence indicated Rose's willingness to subject young girls to sadistic physical and sexual abuse. Um, her trial at Winchester Crown Court began on the 3rd of October. An important early decision by the judge was to admit testimony related to the sexual mistreatment of three women by Fred and Rose, accepting the prosecution's argument that it established a pattern of behavior repeated in the murders. Very smart. In his opening statement, Prosecutor Brian Levison portrayed Fred and Rose as sex-obsessed, sadistic murderers, terming the bodies discovered at Cromwell Street and Midland Road secrets more terrible than words can express. The victim's last moments on earth were as objects of the depravity of this woman and her husband. He pointed out that Fred was incarcerated when Charmaine West was killed, claimed that Fred and Rose had each learned from their mistake in allowing Caroline Owens to live, they would never be so trusting again, and said that the gag on victim Therese Siegenthaler evinced a feminine touch, a scarf tied in a bow. He promised to demonstrate Rose's controlling and sexually sadistic character and her efforts to deflect suspicion about the disappearance of their victims. Prosecution witnesses included Cromwell Street lodgers, victims, relatives, Rose's mother Daisy and sister Glennis, and surviving victims including Anne-Marie West, Catherine Halliday, who was a former lover of Fred and Rose, Carolyn Owens, and a, quote, Miss A., who had been sexually assaulted at 14 by Fred and Rose in 1977, and who described Rose as the more aggressive perpetrator of the two. Neighbors described Charmaine's 1971 disappearance while Fred was in prison and Rose's casual indifference to Heather's disappearance. Rosemary's counsel, Richard Ferguson, tried to discredit prosecution witnesses as having financially exploited their connection to the case or motivated by grudges, Owens, though, admitting to receiving 20000 for her story, described her extreme survivor's guilt. Quote, I only want to get justice for the girls who didn't make it. I feel like it was my fault. Against the advice of her counsel, Rose herself testified. Her effect, sometimes morose and tearful, sometimes a beat and humorous. She wept while describing herself as a victim of child abuse and rape who naively married a violent and domineering man but joked about issues such as her always being pregnant and laughed while describing one victim's grandfather glasses. She also claimed never to have met six of the victims buried at Cromwell Street and to recall very little of her assault and Caroline Owens. When shown photographs of the victims buried in the cellar and victim Allison Chambers and asked by Brian Levison whether she recognized any of their face, faces, Rose's face turned bright red and she repeatedly stuttered and replied, no, sir. When questioned as to life at Cromwell Street, Rose claimed she and Fred had lived separate lives, which was inconsistent with the earlier testimony of witnesses who had visited or lodged at the address. In reference to her relationship with her eldest child, Rose admitted that her relationship with Heather was strained. Before claiming to the court that her daughter was a lesbian who had physically and psychologically abused her siblings, despite these allegations, Rose stated she had loved her daughter and held no knowledge of her murder. Murder. Further questioned as to the contradictory explanation she had Fred had given as to Heather's disappearance, Rose claimed these discrepancies had stemmed from telephone conversations she had had with Heather after she had left home. So she just went on the stand and lied a bunch and acted like a super weirdo. And it was pretty damning. 
The defense next called a succession of women who claimed to have been attacked or assaulted by a lone male whose physical description matched that of Fred West between 1966 and 1975. Seven women testified they had recognized their attacker as Fred um, when his photograph appeared in the media in 1994. The intention of this testimony was to illustrate to the jury that Fred was capable of abducting, assaulting, or attempting to attack women without Rose, which the prosecution had never disputed. The physical recollections of several of these women varied greatly. The final witness to testify at Rose's trial was Fred's appointed appropriate adult, Janet Leach, whom the prosecution had called to testify on the 7th of November in rebuttal to the tape recordings of Fred's confessions, which had been played to the court, and in which he had stressed Rose had known nothing at all about any of the murders. Leach testified that through this role, Fred had gradually begun to view her as a confidant and told her on the evening prior to his arrest, he and Rose had formed a pact where he, he would take full responsibility for all of the murders, many of which he had privately described to her as being some of Rose's mistakes. He had further divulged that Rose had indeed murdered Charmaine while they had been incarcerated and also murdered Shirley Robinson. Fred had also confided that he had dismembered the victims and Rose had participated in the mutilation and dismemberment of Shirley Robinson, having personally removed Robinson's unborn child from her womb after her death. In reference to the remaining eight murders for which Rose was charged, Leach testified that Fred had confided Rose had played a major part in these murders. Upon cross-examination, Leach did concede to Richard Ferguson she had earlier lied under oath about having sold her story to a national newspaper, although she was adamant as to the sincerity of her testimony. While delivering this testimony, Leach collapsed, and the trial was actually adjourned for six days, um, but she did return for complete cross-examination. One, uh, one of the moments in court that um, was probably the most dramatic was when uh, Anne-Marie uh, testified. Um, and she did it while staring straight into the eyes of her mother, um, talking all about the sexual abuse that she had to endure. Um, she, the second day of Anne-Marie's um, evidence testimony, however, was delayed for several hours because she um, tried to overdose on pills during the night. Uh, and then there was also the testimony from the former nanny, Caroline Roberts, uh, she regretted not giving um, more evidence back in 1973. She said, when I went into the witness box, I could see her up to the left, and all I had in my mind was, I'm going to face her this time, because I felt so guilty about not getting them a prison sentence the first time around. If I'd got them a prison sentence, probably none of these girls would have died. This time, it was, um, it was Rose who was not going to be able to escape. Um... Another witness was Caroline Rain. She was a former beauty queen. She told the court um, in, when Fred and Rose abducted and sexually assaulted her as she hitchhiked across Gloucestershire. Um, she, her evidence was key. Prosecutor uh, Levison suggested to the jury it was a blueprint for how the West were to pick up their victims. Caroline Rain was uh, allowed to live. Um, and like I said before, that was sort of a, a marker to them to, like, not fuck up again, and they didn't let anybody live after that. After seven weeks of evidence, the judge instructed the jury, emphasizing that circumstantial evidence can be sufficient for a finding of guilt, and that if two people take part in a murder, 
The law considers them equally guilty regardless of which of them did the deed. On the 21st and 22nd of November, the jury returned guilty verdicts for all 10 murders. Terming her crimes appalling and depraved, the judge sentenced Rosemary to life in prison, emphasizing that she should never be paroled. Um, she, of course, still says she's innocent, and uh, she tried to appeal, um, claiming that her husband had committed all the murders himself. Um, she also claimed that she she tried to prevent one of the sexual assaults her husband committed, and she felt like a victim. Uh, however, the Court of Appeal refused to consider her application for an appeal. Um, in uh, late 2001, Rosemary West announced her intention not to appeal, but she still says she's innocent. Uh, after the 1994 arrest of their parents, the four youngest West children were given new identities to protect them from the notoriety of their family, which is probably why one of the daughters, or not daughters, gets mixed up a lot, and we don't know her name, the one that was... Oh, because she was like under sixteen when she was. Yeah, so it's assaulted. it's possible that yeah. her name is just unknown I didn't see her because name of anywhere. that. So yeah, yeah, it's probably because of that. Although, um, a couple of I uh, like Stephen. Obviously, people know who he is because he's right. like come forward. Um, and then the rest of the kids remain in foster care. Um, Fred's body was cremated, um, and there was actually a little service a funeral for him. Um, the remains of Charmaine and Rena were cremated, um, and at the insistence of Anna Marie West, mother and daughter shared the same coffin, um, and they had a service for them as well. Fred had a younger brother, John. Um, he committed suicide in 1996. He hung himself in his garage. Um, he was awaiting a jury verdict in a trial for allegedly multiple rapes of his niece Anne-Marie and another girl um, at Cromwell um, so I don't know if you did you mention anything about that did you say anything about that no I didn't yeah I don't know much about that either I just know that he killed himself and that he was apparently complicit in wow I had assaulting Anne-Marie um, so she had come forward and like talk to people about that but mm -hmm. yeah he killed himself just like a stupid brother um and then actually Anne Marie visited Rose in prison a lot um but by 2006 she ceased contact um with her mother and May also visited her regularly but she c continuously asked her questions about the culpability of her in the murders um Rose justified, oh, and then Rose, Rose cut her off. Rose asked her to not visit her anymore because she wouldn't stop asking her questions. And she said, I was never a parent and could never be now. Um, the sole visitor Rose continues to receive in prison is actually Anne-Marie. She started visiting her again um, in 2006. Um, she changed her name to Anne-Marie. Um, and she actually... Um, tried to kill herself as well, but she was unsuccessful. Um, she threw herself off of a bridge, but um, she, it was, she, people saw her do it, and the police like rushed to downriver and like rescued her from the river, so she is actually still alive and fine. 
Um, and then uh, another one of the West children, one of the younger children's, Barry, claimed in 2004 to have witnessed the murder of Heather. According to Barry, who was seven at the time, Fred and Rose restrained and, ab- restrained and abused Heather before Rose um, repeatedly stamped upon her head until she ceased to move. The house in Cromwell Street was demolished in 1996 with every piece of debris destroyed to discourage potential souvenir hunters. It has been referred to in the press as the House of Horrors. The site was later redeveloped into a public pathway. Um, There were calls for a memorial garden to be built on the spot, but they were afraid that people would turn it into like a fucked up shrine, so they just went over top of it. Um... So it's a footpath that leads to city center, if you want to walk over top of it. Um, so also in 2002, one more of the kids, Stephen West, again, he attempted suicide. Um, but his, uh, because his girlfriend left him. Well, after his girlfriend left him, probably because of all the other stuff. And then his girlfriend left him. Um, he also tried to hang himself, but the rope snapped. So he is still alive. And he wrote a book. And if you want to read that, you can. I don't know the name of it, but... It just came out like a couple years ago. Uh, And last but not least, the police uh, believe that there were more victims that were never found and they don't really know anything about. Uh, They uh, believe that um, Fred and Rose are known to have committed more, um, most of their murders between 1973 and 1975 but that they also committed murders between 71 and 79. Um, And that they probably committed murders in 1979. Um, Like, that would be their last murder. Uh, Okay, last but not least, um, police firmly believe that the West were responsible for further unsolved murders and disappearances. Um, They think the majority of their murders were committed between 1971 and 1979, with the majority of it between 1973 and 1975. And they think the final murder was in 1979. Um, During his formal questioning, uh, Fred had confessed to murdering up to 30 people, indicating up to 18 other victims that were never discovered. Um, one that w- never came up from Fred or Rose, uh, was Mary Bastholm, who is, uh, a 15 year old who went missing in 1968. Um, it was, uh, Mrs. Leach later said that, he, uh, he talked to her about it and said that Fred told her there were two other bodies in shallow graves in the woods and there was no way that they would ever be found. Um, he also said that there were 20 other bodies spread around and he would give the police a year to see if they could find them. Um, and the very last fun fact I'll leave you with, um, in 2014, Donald Trump was tricked into retweeting a picture of Fred and Rosemary West. A fellow Twitter user tagged him in a tweet with a photo of the murderous couple claiming that they were the user's parents who had passed away and that they had always looked up to Trump for inspiration. Trump complied and retweeted the entire message because he had no idea who they were. Once people pointed out what was going on, he, of course, deleted the tweet and threatened to sue the Twitter user. The end. (laughs) Wow. 
Oh, that was a funny little thingy to add to bring us back up. Oh, God. So, yeah, that was all. Um, yeah, Rose is still in jail, still alive, still being a cranky old mean bitch. That sucks. Who loves her grandchildren very genuinely. Mm. Yeah. I, I, an article actually just came out like four days ago from like her like saying that uh, it was all Steven's fault. What? That that they murdered, that it was all his fault that, like, all this happened That's and so funny. all the shit. I think she's obviously mad about the book he wrote, but I don't know. I was reading poetry that she wrote from, like, to her children while she was in jail. It's, like, the children that she, like, sexually abused and physically abused and mentally abused for years. And she's like, my dearest little cupcake, Ugh. my gumdrop. And you're just like, what Ew. the fuck? Like, what the f- How does your brain work, you fucking psycho? One of the daughters also wrote a book. I think it was Anne- It might have been Anne-Marie. Yeah, I think it was yeah. Anne-Marie. Was it? I think. She- or was it May? I don't know. It was, it's, like, full of letters- that um, um, Rose had like sent her over time. I feel like it. It had like a weird name because I tried to see if the I, library had it. And yeah, it didn't. I've, I feel like I briefly skimmed over that. Maybe it was me. I can't remember. I mean, they're the two that are the kind of their names kind of pop up a lot. Yeah, it's um, it. love as always, mom. XXX, the true and terrible story of surviving a childhood with Fred and Rose West. Oh, man. Wow. But Anne-Marie might also have written a book. So, Oh, so that was May. Okay. Yeah, that was May. Yeah. yeah I don't know. She, I mean, she threw herself off a bridge, so I don't know if she's into writing books. <laughs> yeah. But she, maybe she'll turn around. I don't know. Because mm-hmm. Stephen wrote a book and he tried to hang himself. Oh, so she sad. threw herself off a bridge and survived? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they rescued her from the water, and she yeah. was fine. They re- rehabilitated her, yeah. Because oh. they somebody saw her, and they were, like, quickly enough to, like, pull her out of the water, so she didn't, like, she didn't, like, injure herself falling or anything, and it wasn't cold enough for her to, to freeze or anything like that. But, yeah, sad. Sad for them. And God knows where all the other kids have ended up. Hot damn, yeah. It just, like, because I kept reading about, like, they had however many kids, like, the numbers are always skewed, like, 11 or 8 or whatever. And the only kids that are mentioned are, like, the older ones. Yeah. And it's obviously because the others are protected. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Um, so hopefully. Ooh, God, can't imagine. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, some happy stuff. Just real quick happy stuff. We actually got got some new, like, listeners recently, which is really nice. So shouts out to... New listeners, we got some like nice messages. Um, I, if I were more prepared, I would have their names, but in classic me fashion, I don't. But there was a very nice girl that sent us a message on our Facebook that um, put a big smile on my face, and it was just like really nice. And it was funny because she was like, she said that she isn't really into swearing, um, but the more that you say fucky, the like. It makes it like it's not swearing, and she like loves that you say fucky, and she apparently likes the way that I say horrible, which I I don't know how I say it. That is enjoyable, but <laughs> I liked that a lot. That was why she's like, I really like all your voices, and I was like, oh cool. Oh, that's so nice. So that was nice. And then we got like a random like Instagram message that was like 
said that they just found us and um, thought everything was great. And I was like, cool. Awesome. Especially when we were like not recording. So now new listeners, what's up? New episodes for Yeah, you. we're back to recording. We had to take a big holiday break because yeah, life gets super fucky. Life is hard. In the, and holidays hate. In the holiday your time. humanity. We're all working women. Like this is a side project that we fucking love. And Pete is a working man with a woman's heart. Okay. What? <laughs> but that that's a good that's a good thing. A lady heart. He's got a lady heart. Anyways, what are you talking about? What are you talking but about? I'm just gonna use this as a segue to, oh, to get okay. you to give us iTunes reviews because uh we don't get paid for this, but if you give us iTunes reviews, maybe one day we will probably still not get paid for this, but uh, it makes it makes things easier. Well, <laughs> it makes things nicer. Speaking of yeah. new listeners who send us messages, if you can send a message, you can write a review. It takes just as much time because we have gotten some new ratings, which I appreciate the ratings, but I want your reviews. I want your words. I want your positive, happy words. I don't want any of your mean shit. Keep it out of here. I don't want to hear it. I can take it. I'm fine. Only if it's constructive criticism and if it has anything to do, I'm sorry, I'm just going to be a bitch. If it has anything to do with the sound quality at the, the first half of our lifespan, I don't want to hear it because guess what? We are three random ladies that decided to make a podcast one day and had a microphone that three in beautifully a intelligent individuals in so, a sewing room, a friendship forged in murder and fire. Okay, completely so. irrelevant. Anyways, I'm just saying we know <laughs> now we have really nice mics and a great sound guy named Pete who makes everything better. So thanks to Pete and also shut up everybody. And also fuck off if you think that sound isn't cool. You try recording in Andrea's old house on a desk, being very drunk. One time I tickled Andrea until she giggled forever, and that was one of our recording sessions. And we didn't post that episode. I think that Mary's getting a little loopy, so we're just going to call it an episode. Shut up. All right, you're right. All right. Well, this has been Dark History Podcast. I'm Andrea Georgic. Mary Jackson. And Bonnie Weibel. Bye. Bye. a dark history podcast production you can send any comments or corrections to darkhistorypodcast at gmail.com rate or review us in the itunes store or like us on facebook or follow us on instagram at dark history podcast and thank you to our sound baby pete mudge